1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
5: This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And we start the programme, I suppose, with a little bit of good news that broke yesterday evening, and that is the nurses' uh, strike has uh, is over, it's been uh, suspended. There should have been 40,000 nurses back out on the picket line today, uh, but thankfully... A deal has been struck but of course the worrying side now of the deal that's been struck with the nurses, is this now going to open a flood of pay claims from the other unions? You hope that that won't be the case but only time will tell. The largest public sector union, FORSA, said they're going to study the detail of the recommendation that the nurses received yesterday evening. And they're going to study any implications it may have for other civil and public service at grades. If members of the nursing union, the INMO, vote in favour of the deal agreed at the Labour Court yesterday, a significant number of nurses stand to receive an increase and the increase, it depends on the grade of the nurse but it's up to 7% in their pay. They had wanted 12% across the board. They didn't get that, but they got oh more than halfway for some. And the sum being a significant number of, of nurses, I imagine most nurses will be glad with a 7% pay increase. The health services returning to normal today, but some of the thousands of patients whose surgery clinic appointments or day services were expected to be cancelled, will continue. There will be disruption today. And obviously there's going to be disruption today because surgeries that were due to go ahead today, I'm assuming that people got cancellation on those yesterday. They couldn't wait until the Labour Court came back out. They couldn't wait until the nurses said for sure that the strike wasn't going ahead. I mean, up to what, six o'clock yesterday? The strike was going ahead today so it would have been too late to start contacting people, particularly people who would have been due in for operations today. So unfortunately, some people will be losing out even though it was, it's great news that the pickets, pickets are not going ahead today. The Public Expenditure Minister, Pascal Donoghue, insisted that the deal struck with the Nurses Union did not breach the National Wage Agreement and that's the big one. If it has breached the National Wage Agreement, then you're going to have all of the other unions coming in and saying, "Well we want what the nurses have uh, received It's understood that the detail includes the self-funding measures aimed at preventing a breach of the labor uh, of the wage agreement. The labor court recommendation agrees to an enhanced nurse practice salary scale which should be rolled out. It'll start at €35,806 Euro, and then it will rise to 47201 and that will be obviously following a long uh, service increment. When nurses will qualify to move on to the new scale which will be after four years they will then receive a pay rise of over 7%. The proposal states a new nursing contract should be finalised within the next three weeks. The contract will see more nurses move into the community. Now, obviously, moving into the community is part of the Slanted Care Plan and that aims to take work out of the overcrowded hospitals and support more patients with, with long-term conditions and to support them nearer home. They will also support measures to increase the number of health care assistants. Now, staff nurses with certain qualifications, they'll be offered the opportunity to move to this new salary scale and that will come in on the 1st of March. And then the revised new entrant proposals That's the one that's going to be watched most closely by teachers in particular because they are demanding improvements on their existing deal because teachers at the moment have two-tier pay. They have the younger nurses, the nurses that qualified after 2012. They are paid less than teachers who were employed before 2012. And I always think it's one of the most unfairest things. You've got two teachers sitting in a staff room having their tea breakers at 11 o'clock they'll have done exactly the same work for the first two hours they'll finish up their tea break and go back to the classroom and do exactly the same work but you'll have one teacher getting a higher pay than the other and the only reason that the one is getting a lower pay is because they qualified later than the other There's no, it's nothing to do with the type of qualification or the type of work they that they do. I've always felt that that is really, really unfair. Now, the recommendation to the nurses states that an expert review of the nursing prof- profession will be set up and that, that report at the end of the pay deal. And of course, the pay deal is to end in 2020, so only next year. And then the main public service unions have already indicated that they're all going to study the court's proposal in detail to see what the uh, implications are for them. Uh, Force. Uh, going to study it in minute detail and they say they expect that other unions will do the same thing and that ICTU Public Services Committee will also consider the matter in due course and that's where the government I take it are really going to hold their breath because if they end up getting a flood of other public servants looking for extra money or if they think the other public sir or if the other public servants feel that the nurses are getting a better deal to them that's when you're going to have knock on uh, claims now the hsc say they're doing everything they can to get resume normal services uh, today they are expecting outpatient appointments uh, to go ahead as planned and they're advising anyone who has an appointment for today, Tuesday, tomorrow, Wednesday or Thursday of this week to please attend. They're also advising surgical patients that they'll be contacted by their hospital to make sure their procedure is going ahead. I mean, they obviously don't want a lot of surgical patients turning up to discover there isn't a bed or the the arrangements aren't in place for their surgery. So you'll expect to hear from your hospital. They're also expecting that the emergency departments are going to be extremely busy and they're asking the public to only use the service if it's absolutely necessary. All of the minor injury clinics, by the way, they will all operate as normal uh, today. And while services uh, today, the HSC are saying they expect it to be considerably considerably disrupted, they do expect that that will lessen from uh, tomorrow and I suppose the real losers when it comes to all of this, I mean the winners are the nurses and hopefully they will be happy with what's on offer and they'll be happy with this uh, pay increase but it's the 82,000 patients who have had their services disrupted over the first three days of the strike action thankfully that number stays at 82,000 and we we weren't after today going to be adding another 30,000 odd uh, to the list. But they are the real losers because they are the ones now who are will be scrambling to get another appointment. Uh, and also it means, and I'm assuming that priority will be given to the 82,000, that they, they will get another outpatient appointment. But it also means that putting these 82,000 people a- ahead of those already who've just moved up the list People who didn't have an appointment cancelled get moved further down the list, and they'll wait longer. So there's a, there's a lot of losers, and but hopefully everything will get back to normal as quickly as possible. People will get the appointments that they need, and the procedures that they need, and the treatment that they need. eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul, uh, taking your calls. Coming up on the program this morning we're asking the question should a directly elected mayor receive a salary of 130000 euro it would put the wage on par with the same as a senior government minister we we know that coming down the pipeline is the possibility that here in cork we will elect a directly elected mayor cork is one of the one of the areas that has been selected to, if the people want, to directly elect a mayor. Now, the devil's going to be in the detail as to what kind of powers this directly elected mayor will have, but coming with powers and coming with a job obviously will be a wage packet and the wage packet that has been suggested put it on the same par as a government minister or a senior civil servant and €130,000. That's the going rate at the moment for a senior minister. Some people are saying that that is too high a figure. Others will say no, this is going to be a very important role. The role of mayor of Cork City will be running the city so it will come with a lot of powers and uh, a lot of stress as well I I can tell you and if you have a job like that should you be paid the correct amount and is the correct amount €130,000? Your thoughts are welcomed on that. We're also going to get an update on the mobile home that is illegally parked outside Kilcrumper New Cemetery. This was the young family from the travelling community that had been living on the green area of Beechfield Estate in Formoy. And last summer, we carried a, a lot of, of interviews and a lot of commentary and debate about this particular family, residents of Beechfield Estate didn't want their green area taken over by this mobile home that had initially, my memory serves me right, that had initially been a caravan and then the caravan got into disrepair. So the family moved instead of, well, they didn't move the caravan, the caravan was still there. They instead put a mobile home onto the green area, moved into the mobile home but the, the caravan was there as well and I think local residents just got a bit afraid that before they knew it the whole green area was going to be taken over by other mobile homes. Now the family in question said no, it was just going to be the one mobile home nobody else was going to be moving in beside them but local residents, you know this was their green area it's their area where their children play and their grandchildren play and I, I don't think there was anybody uh, had but sympathy for the because nobody, I mean, I think everybody agreed that nobody who lives with a green area in front or near their house would say that they would willingly want an illegal encampment of people living on their green area. So there was a lot of support for the residents. So there was a court injunction. They went to court or the council went to court to have them moved and then the family did move on the day that the court decided yeah, you have to go and that's it. And they moved to, down the road to Kilcumper New Cemetery and that caused a lot of uh, anger and upset for local people. And we were hearing from elderly people in the main who like to visit gravesya- graveyards regularly and they were very upset about having this mobile home parked outside the cemetery with no sanitation no running water no toilet facilities you know what were they going to do for rubbish you know there was no bin collection and it just caused like a lot a real lot of, of, of upset uh, from people now the council we were onto the council at the time again we carried a number of of interviews on to the council they were looking into what they could do about it and people were saying can you not offer this family housing give them the housing that they need And then this week we started getting calls. Well, actually last week we started getting photographs in from people of rubbish that was dumped in the area and people were saying this, something has to be done about this. And then yesterday we started getting calls in saying are the council doing anything? Do you know that that mobile home uh, is still there? I think a lot of people thought that it had been moved on because we weren't talking about it and it turns out it hasn't. The family have still are still living there. So we're trying to find out what the council are, have they any plans for that particular family and to move the mobile uh, home. What can be done to lower the waiting list for eye care appointments and surgeries for eye care? I mean, when we think of eye care surgery, we think in the main about cataract operations. And I I take it the biggest bulk of people on the waiting list are people with cataracts and they need to have a cataract operation we know that people get so frustrated waiting that they go on the cataract bus and they go to Belfast those that feel well enough and are fit and able enough to make that journey to Belfast to get an operation a procedure that takes about 15-20 minutes it's sort of one of those procedures that you think we shouldn't have any waiting list for because it can be dealt with so quickly we're going to be speaking with the Association of Ophthalmologists and they have a solution that they think can certainly shorten that waiting list. We'll chat with them on the programme today. Details of a programme aimed at young people dealing with mental health issues in West Cork is about to be launched. We're going to find out more about that. Um, and also we will chat about the discovery, the news that broke yesterday, the discovery of stolen lime, I think they're limestone, there were statues that were stolen from a castle just outside of Charleville. They were stolen a number of years ago and they turned up I think it's in County Clare they've turned up so it's great to think that we'll get them back and uh, hopefully they're not too badly damaged and we'll be able to get them back in their rightful position outside this castle near uh, Charleville and Joe Heffernan it's, it's Tuesday will join us and he will be talking about how to counteract negative self talk. There's more open air concerts have been announced for the Irish Independent Park this Sunday. Former Oasis frontman Liam Gallagher, he will play on Sunday, June the 23rd and then the multi award winning singer Lauren Hill she'll take to the stage three days uh, later. If you're interested in going to either of those gigs uh, the tickets go on sale this Friday at 8.30am and Davis College in Mallow have been in contact to say that there is a beautiful black retriever type dog straying around Davis College in Mallow this morning. He has a fleck of white on his chest and some on his. Some of his tail is missing but he's a very well cared for dog and the feeling is that he mightn't be missing that long. He might have just strayed off somewhere this morning. If it's your dog could you please collect him as soon as possible because the college will have to call the dog warden because they have to take the children's safety into account. So, a black retriever-type dog with a fleck of white and quite distinctive, in that some of his tail is missing, is that your dog, or does it sound like a dog, uh, a dog that you know? Uh, if so, can you head to Davis College in Mallow, please, and uh, pick up that lost-looking dog? 1850 Eighteen fifty-three, three-three-one-zero-three. We're going to take a break, and we're back chatting uh, with. Touching about a directly elected mayor and how much of a salary should that mayor receive? Laura Gailga, RC 103.
6: Green school, Muguk Green Gerard Udriskol, and Gade Laws Fahad de Anner, Nadeg Shachtonai, Imalia Klea. It's Imor Rugby, a dimmer air in Bishimar Captain in the hearing, Ogavilas Trig, the Doye. There on Timor Rugby as far as Dimar shay hen kids <laughs> dahada henkle he the henkids <laughs> a chukatreela <laughs> ehira shay dahada shay u darein sblin govila <laughs> sahen to courier of shay na shun skull jiskol asan feh shay u joshkorol tagar skorol shay chukoo ud the current heinikin on may dismo a score fair erna free for new school Mar a tournament, a grave, mortis great Shun, a great tournament, a great a great tournament, a great tournament, a great tournament, a great a great a great a great tournament, a great tournament, school great tournament, a great tournament, a great tournament, a a great tournament, Amy a a a the Blur Grailga Grey Closed Adobe College is Michael Abby Brna.
0: CKD Osa 3 Kirkig. This is the Cork Today replay on C103.
5: Now yesterday some of our listeners contacted us because they were shocked to hear that the government is considering giving directly elected mayors an annual salary of €130,000 putting it on par with a ministerial wage. The current mayor of Cork City is also against this high salary and he joins me. Uh, Good morning to Councillor Mick Finn. Good morning to you Mick. Good
7: morning Patricia, Uh, I'm very
5: well and you're welcome to the programme. Do we know at this stage has a decision been made on the actual salary for these directly elected Mayors?
7: No, and I suppose well, that's part of the problem here, Patricia, is that um, a lot of information is being drip fed through media sources, through radio interviews. Um, and I wrote to the minister a number of weeks ago just seeking clarification on what's been asked of people uh, at the, in the plebiscite at the local elections in May. So we don't know what the, the kind of template for the job is. Um, but we did hear, I certainly did hear, I think the minister mentioned it in a podcast, that the salary would be in the region of um, 130000 which would be the same as a junior minister's uh, salary. And, and it was he himself, I think, mentioned that on a, on a radio interview. So we don't like. There is no set. Um, we'll say job description, uh, the powers of the of the position, uh, and the salary that they've all been mentioned kind of intermittently, but we haven't seen any of the fine detail as of yet.
5: And you believe 130,000 euro would be too high.
7: Well, I suppose what, what I think is that it, it it really depends on the position. I mean, is it going to replace the, the chief executive position? Is it going to sit alongside it? Is it going to be another kind of, you know, high-paid salary on top of that, another layer of bureaucracy? And I think, you know, when people are talking about a directly elected mayor, they're looking at a new system, you know, giving a, a, a mayor or a lord mayor executive powers to run the city, which at the moment would conflict with the current management. And I don't think creating another position, you know, with a, with a similar salary to a C, is the answer to that. So I do think yeah, on the face of it it's too high um, but again I suppose you know as I said uh, in interviews during the week you're kind of flying in the dark a bit yeah. because we don't, we don't know exactly what the um what the, the the role or what the, the the duties of the position will be
5: yeah because i I know john paul Phelan, who's it's under his brief as minister for local government, like you're right in saying the uh, the the chief executive will remain in place uh, and then this talks about the new mayor which are responsible for executive functions uh, but not yeah. for planning, so the chief executive would be there, so the fear is that this will just cost more money to the local authority.
7: Yes, and I think, you know, it it could possibly end up with a duplication of duties. I mean, that's what we're hearing as well, that the CE, the the old city manager, the current chief executive, would be like the secretary general in a department, uh, answerable to the minister, and the minister would be in turn answerable to the councillors. But again, that's effectively creating another layer of government, and I suppose, you know, uh, members of the public would be rightly concerned, as am I, uh, about that. Um, And again, you know, without knowing exactly what we're hearing, again is that the the CE would retain um Powers, our um, duties over staff and responsibilities for staff and for planning, um, and that everything else then will be in the remit of the mayor um, in terms of housing development, um, you know, the rollout of tra- of transport plans, everything else like that. So I mean, it would be a fundamental change from what's there. You know, I'm not saying that it should be a low-paid position because you know, even in my current role, which is largely devoid of executive functions, it's a very busy position. You know, not everybody would be able to do it in terms of time. Um, so I'm not saying that you know it should be. Thirty thousand or forty thousand, but I'm saying, is that figure of 130,000 seems a lot, given that we don't know the details of uh, of what's to come. It
5: could be quite a stressful job, though, Mick.
7: Yeah, I mean, you know, and again, I suppose someone as someone pointed out to me yesterday, you know, it, will it be a kind of a celebrity thing that people will come out of the woodwork and try and go for it? Or will it be maybe former politicians who have experience in business that, you know, that have experience at that level? It will be a very stressful, it will be a very important job if it's given the executive powers that is, that, that are being suggested. Um, you know, it's a huge job. I mean, it's leading the future of Cork, you know, alongside, if, if, if what they're saying is correct, alongside the city manager, alongside the councillors at a time when Cork is, is going to expand for the first time in 50 years. So it's a huge responsibility and will require somebody very capable, male or female, uh, who will be very capable of doing such a job.
5: But of course, the people of Cork have to decide whether they want a directly elected mayor first.
7: Yes, and I, again, I suppose part of my problem here is people are asking me on the street, you know, will there be a, direct, a directly elected mayor um, after the local elections in May? And the answer to that is it won't. But people are being confused by what's yeah. coming out in the media. So what we're being asked, uh, the people in the in the city only, um, are being asked in the new city boundaries, or will be asked in May, whether they think that a directly elected uh, mayor or Lord Mayor is a good idea. Now, I've written to the minister and asked him, what exactly are we being asked? We know, is Again, to repeat... Is it a directly elected mayor with full powers? Will it be alongside a CE? Uh, and I think we need those details first, and being educated about it and informed about that before we ask before we ask the question and before we answer it.
5: I mean, we're, we're into the middle of February. I mean, May will be here before we know it. It's it's unfair, isn't it, on the people of Cork City? Yes, that they I don't it it have the information
7: Yes I think it is and, and part of that is because that the extended boundary in Cork City um, you know took a bit longer to, to, to finalise and in fact was only signed off on, on the 23rd of January uh, by the Doyle. I had to go back to the Doyle following some changes and, uh, and some removals from uh, at the Senate so the part of the problem here is and like both councils at the moment are busily working away on the franchise element you know ensuring that voters are in city council county council lists, which is requiring a lot of work from both city council and council. Council, And I think it's a bit rushed. I mean, I'm not sure what the what the haste is in this. And there's no reason why they can't defer it for another. We'll say for the start of the next council term so that at that election, if indeed, you know, people said it's a good idea, you could have the election at the start of that term in five years time. I I mean, I can't understand what the hurry is. Uh, to get it done, you know, at this election and, and then introduce it maybe two years later. I'm not sure how they're going to work that either.
5: And of course, the initial proposal is just for Cor- ourselves in Cork, our neighbours in Limerick and for Waterford. Yes. Uh, Dublin has been put on hold. Almost the feeling like we've been used as a guinea pig. Let's trial Absolutely. it out in Cork, Limerick and Waterford and see how those boys get on.
7: Absolutely. And I've, again, I've, I've said that, you know, I, I would worry every time that something has is been is trumpeted for Cork first because that's usually not the case. Yeah, um, and I think you know, I think the, I I would agree. I think that we may be used as a guinea pig here to see. Um, you know, would it be eventually a, a mayor or, or a Lord Mayor of all the Dublin councils perhaps sitting at the cabinet table, you know, akin to something that happens in uh, in the UK so yeah, that would be a concern of mine as well um, and the fact that Galway were removed from that uh, group, that cluster Process, as well, yeah. um, you know like so I would have concerns and I'm not particularly sure um, why you know, why they're, they're in such a hurry to do this, the, the concept of it I agree with and I have said that previously but I think we need to know much more of the detail first before uh,
5: for me, would you put yourself forward for the role?
7: I don't know, to be honest. Um, I mean, I think, you know, that's, that's maybe requiring a skill set that I don't have, even though I would have experience in a lot of other areas. You know, I, again, I, I suppose it's, it's it's a bit cart before the horse. I'd have to have a look at the at the fine details of it. I'm due to return to my position with the Corky TV in the summer after giving up, you know, taking career break for the year. Yeah. That would be an altogether different proposition. Um, and I think, you know, I'd, we'd have to see what the, the, the job spec and the requirements would be for that.
5: Okay, and only time will tell.
7: All right, uh,
5: Mick, listen, we appreciate you taking time out to talk to us. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, Bye bye. That is the current uh, mayor of uh, Cork City, Councillor Mick uh, Finn. Kieran in uh, Crosshaven said, if the directly elected mayors get a huge pay salary every year, then their staff will expect a high salary, as they can argue the work they do is as is as important so where does it end with more people uh, looking for more money I sub- the danger is and i think mick has nailed it is is this just going to be another layer of management it will all depend and this is where we are all a little bit in the dark nobody knows for sure the exact executive functions that this directly elected mayor will be we do know that the chief executive who runs the council at the moment in a paid position, we do know that that role remains in place because I think initially when we spoke about directly elected mayors, some people assumed that the directly elected mayor would take over from the chief executive. So the chief executive role would be gone and that's what the directly elected mayor, the powers that the chief executive and the role of the chief executive would be taken over by this directly elected mayor with additional powers. But then it came out, no, the chief executive will, will absolutely remain in place. So the chief executive is there. And where's where will the elected mayor be? Will he be? Will he or she? Could be she. Be above the chief executive? Will they be on par with the chief executive? I mean, one thing I did read, and this was from the Minister for Local Government, John Paul O'Shea, he said the new position would exclude executive functions relating to planning matters. I think everyone would welcome that. That would remain with the chief uh, executive. The position of directly elected mayor would be, John Paul Phelan says, it should bridge the gap between the existing reserve and executive functions of local authorities—I really don't know what that means <laughs> in layman's terms—and the day-to-day running of the council. What will what will it mean? So there's a lot to be decided. And then on top of all of that, what needs to be decided is setting the salary. And some are saying the salary should be set as uh, the, of that as a doll deputy, or lower the, again as a senator. At the moment, it's there's talk of this 130000 which is a junior minister role and my apologies I think earlier I said a senior minister I thought that's what a senior minister was getting but Mick said no it's what a junior minister uh, gets but many I think will see that as too much money for the job for, the, for what the role will be. But then, if you want to attract the best candidate to the job, we're going to have to pay that candidate well. 1850 103. John Paul, taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103, 103
0: To celebrate our latest radio ratings, C103 is dishing out free money. Free
8: money! With
0: share of five grand with C103 Cash
8: Tracks.
3: Every morning at 8.15, Simon will reveal the C103 superstar of the day.
0: Then stay listening for two tracks back to back from that artist.
3: When they play, be caller 50 to win your share of 5,000 euro. C103
0: Cash Tracks.
3: With Cavanagh's, the new name for Ford and Mallow. For new and used car sales, visit Cavanagh's.com. Starts Monday on the home of
0: Cork's
3: Greatest Hits
5: C103 Now following a court order last June a family from the travelling community moved their mobile home from the Beachfield Estate in Fomoy to outside Kilcrumper New Cemetery Listeners have contacted us to see what the council are doing about that situation and uh, Councillor Noel McCarthy uh, once again joins me Good morning to you Noel Good morning Patricia, good morning. Uh, morning. Now we spoke so many times about this situation last summer and here we go again, nearly eight months on. Are there any plans to rehouse this family and remove the mobile home or what sort of discussions have been going on between the family and the council?
4: Well as you know since we spoke last Patricia there was an attempt to remove the caravan I think it was back last September, October if I'm not mistaken I think it was up around the end of September and at that stage, there was an incident that happened with the guardie and the, with the removal of the caravan. And since then, it's been at stalemate. When we've brought it up or asked the executive about it, they say it's a guardie's problem now. But when you say to the guardie, they say it's not their business they're They went to do it and there was a problem. And nothing has happened since. And since then, I've been getting calls every week about the rubbish, about the danger of the children on the road, it's really, and, and people are very upset over it. it yeah. So we need to do something.
5: Yeah, I have it's to say really we're, we're, we're getting similar calls uh, in here to, to the programme. Heartbreaking to hear elderly people, Noel, say that they feel intimidated. And it's, it's not that this family that are living there have done or said anything to them. But some older people just feel intimidated by the fact that this mobile home is even there.
4: Yes, they're very upset and they go to visit their loved ones and they go up there and they're, they're upset enough without seeing this happening. And when they see rubbish and when they see incidents like that, they're, they're again more upset. And of course, and they're, not, they're, they're sympathetic as well, like I am myself when there's children involved. We all have children, we all have grandchildren, you, you want to do the right thing. But there's a system that I've been consistently seeing since this happened last summer that you must work within. That's the housing system. And the executives have made attempts to put them into emergency accommodation, which has been refused by that family. And if they do that, and I'm appealing to them again, and I've been working with an organisation on the background, hopefully that they can see this, go and talk to the executives again, and come to an arrangement where they'll go into the emergency accommodation, and then, Patricia, they can go on to the housing, to the next stage of being housed. But they must do the right thing because it's totally unfair to the people on the housing list if they don't. That is doing the right thing. And I think there's where the the whole problem lies. And I can understand, as you said, that people have have seen this now for the last eight months and nothing has been done. So we need to act now. We really do.
5: And there's young children involved here in living in this mobile.
4: There is. And and, uh, you're hard to go when you see the conditions they are living in. And I understand that. But they must... they must work with the the executive of the housing team at Cork County Council and they must be seen to do the right thing and being abusive or being, um, you know, disrespectful to people like in in some ways of of rubbish because, like they'll say, they didn't put the rubbish there, Patricia, but before this caravan was there, there was no, I got no calls about rubbish in the graveyard. You know, it was always well kept. So obviously by there, the rubbish must be coming from from us there now at the moment. And, like there's no in what they're saying that they are not doing it because we never had a problem before before they moved there. So it's
5: and what, what? Yeah, because we had photographs of rubbish sent in to us last week and you could see in the photograph it was right beside the mobile. You could see the, the corner of the mobile where the rubbish uh, had been dumped. Did the council go out and are you cleaning up the rubbish or what's happening?
4: Yes, people have taken it. Now, I think there were there was approaches made to them, and they did move, remove some of it. But I know other people have picked up the rubbish. But I, in, in fairness to them, I think they did most of it to themselves, it was brought to their attention. Okay. So, like, they, they, I have to give them credit there. But at the same time, it shouldn't happen. And the other one that's coming to me, that's a real concern. It's a busy road, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. particularly outside the Kilcrumper New Graveyard, And kids are being unsupervised, you know, on the road. And that's a huge thing I'm getting from people passing up and down there. They're saying they're so people they are avoiding passing there now because they're so afraid if anything would happen with the children and that's the other one we're getting. So we need to get the solution here. I have a motion down. we have a meeting of a municipal authority next Tuesday and for mine. I have a motion in to get an update on the situation, so that's all I can tell the listeners at the moment and the people that are concerned that hopefully we'll have something in writing back next week following that meeting
5: to say what is the next step that's going to happen. Okay, and you you might come back to us on that. Because I I, I take it this family don't have a bin collection service. I mean, nobody goes to collect a bin from outside the cemetery, do they?
4: No. No. no, None whatsoever. Toilets? Toilets, no, and that's another one you would want to be saying, but there's people saying that the grave has been used as toilet. I I can't I didn't see anyone doing that, Patricia. But that's the word I'm getting. Mm. And again, it's causing use concern. That's upsetting a lot of people as well. I had one lady ran me about two weeks ago, actually very, very upset to see that there was she said, Look, my grave is just inside a wall but the grave I visit, and it's there's a smell and there's it's rubbish dumped and she was so upset over it. But at the same time she was saying we're all at fault here. We need to find a solution. That's executive public representatives like myself. We need to find a solution here rather than pass it on. But I work with anyone to find that solution if I could. I okay,
5: really and to. I can see a couple of texts and calls coming in. They're definitely still living in the mobile home. They haven't moved into, they haven't, they're haven't. they not staying anywhere else, are they? That you know well, of?
4: They're, they're, I still think they're using the mobile app, but I think they're visiting one relative's home where, where they shouldn't be. But look again, that's not my call. But people are saying that as
5: well that they're saying somewhere else as well all at right. times all right yeah. okay all right and uh, uh, in the meantime as you say there's, there's 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 little children involved in in all of this as well, and something has to be done it just can't it can't be allowed to go on and the other one then Noel, when it got mentioned yesterday is the picnic area the lay by in, in in formoy is is there still illegally parked caravans there
4: there is there's one there as well no again them. they're in an area desert they're not coming to anyone's attention, really. But at the same time, they'd be consistently saying this as well. This picnic area was never meant for this. this is an amenity area to be enjoyed by everyone and for everyone to pull in and, uh, and and to enjoy the amenity that is there. But since over 12 months now, this caravan is there. Now, I've messed with them and they're nice people. But again, they must do the right thing and work with the executive, and not put a caravan in there hoping to be housed because of that reason. I think that's wrong. And they must okay. work within the system. Because if everyone did that, we would have no control,
5: mm-hmm. and no yeah. housing. This would we ha- we we have yeah. to have rules, and we have to live by rules. Okay, yeah. get back to us, uh, Noel. If you get an update, would you? Well of course it
4: will okay. next Tuesday I'll have uh, a written report and I'll come back Great to you stuff, and, uh, stuff Great stuff here,
5: Look here, forward here. to talking you to you Thank much. you for that That is uh, Councillor Noel McCarthy uh, Somebody who doesn't want their name or Adele says Patricia It's, a, it's absolutely a disgrace the way some members of the travelling community are allowed to do whatever they like They have no respect for anything Some mistreat animals. It's dreadful and nobody, but nobody, will do a thing about it or say anything about it. Uh, we're going to be discussing what can be done to lower the waiting times for eye care appointments and surgery.
3: Nick Richards, weekday afternoons from 1.
0: C103. Nicholas, how are you? I'm good. How are you,
3: sir?
9: All my life I have been a chocolate first thing in the morning person. I
10: didn't think there was a pee in Frisbee. Is there not? You mathematical genius. <laughs> You're very good. How do you know that? I'm quite intelligent. Oh.
8: I know.
1: Oh. I'm shocked.
10: Aren't you good? I know. Clever, <laughs> am <aren't
0: I?
8: Woo-hoo. laughs> Hello. Um, I'm
10: just
0: inquiring about uh, Brand Heeser for the city. Yeah, what have you got? C103.
3: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
5: Eddie in Mahan was on to us yesterday. He had joined us to highlight a man in the van who goes around collecting rubbish well Eddie Eddie says that this guy collects rubbish every day goes door to door you know collects household rubbish whatever contents of houses when houses get uh, cleared out and Eddie said you can see the low loader van and it is full at six o'clock in the evening and then the guy goes off somewhere and he comes back at nine o'clock and it's empty and Eddie's making the point where is he disposing of that rubbish there's no municipal facilities open between six and nine in the evening and Eddie has his suspicions that this guy is dumping the rubbish so he got photographic evidence. He sent on some pictures to us but he also sent the pictures on to the Environmental Department of Cork County Council to see if they could stop this guy and find out what this guy is doing. I think he could get on to the Gardaí as well. Uh, anyway, and uh, up to yesterday when he joined us he said nothing had happened. Lo and behold, the Environmental Department of Cork County Council came back to him yesterday and they asked Eddie if Eddie would be willing to go to court and testify against this man. Now Eddie said, I obviously said no I have my family to protect. I don't want to go public and saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I look, I'm the one who's after dabbing you in. Uh, Eddie said he just, but was willing to pass on any further information he had or any photographs and whatever. Uh, so they're going to take any photographic evidence that Eddie has and pass it on and they're going to follow up on uh, it and hopefully, as Eddie says, he will put an end to what this person is doing if the person is illegally dumping rubbish. I mean, what needs to be done is the, the van needs to be covertly followed, I suppose, or the... Investigate the investigator in me. If you could get a bag with a tracker in it, you know, like some of those programs that you watch on the BBC when they go undercover, something like that would needs to be done to prove. But even failing that, I think questions. This guy needs to answer questions as to where is he going with the rubbish every evening. How can he have a truckload of rubbish at six o'clock and then at nine o'clock in the evening, all the rubbish is gone. You know suspicions straight away well what are you doing with the rubbish where are you actually uh, putting it so keep us informed Eddie let us know how you get on I will be really interested to hear the outcome of what happens at the end of that investigation by the environmental department of Cork County Council stay on council matters but stay with directly elected mayors please because John and Carrick Toole was listening to our interview in the last hour with the current mayor of Cork Mick Finn about directly elected mayors and John John wants to know if people actually want a directly elected mayor in cork or indeed in other parts of the country what how do listeners feel on the matter presuming the directly elected mayors will get full powers to make decisions in the city well the people of cork city will have the opportunity because they'll have the plebiscite to decide whether they want a mayor or not and initially we're just going to have 3 Well, three areas get asked if they want a mayor. One is Cork, the other is uh, Limerick and Waterford. And I'm assuming that if they're successful in those areas, then they'll move out to other areas like the county of Cork will have a mayor, Tipperary will have a mayor, Kerry will have a mayor. But I suppose initially the guinea pigs are going to be Cork, Limerick and Waterford. But the people will decide whether they want a directly elected mayor or not. But I, I, I have to agree with... Councillor McFinn. It's a really hard thing to ask somebody to vote on when nobody really knows the detail. I mean, nobody wants a sort of a celebrity mayor. Actually, somebody was texting in about that if I has made some very valid points. Uh, Micah says, Patricia, the elected mayor should have the overall power in the city or in the county. If you have a chief executive in control of one of the most important sections of the city or county, then you were on a collision course straight away. It would be a foregone col- conclusion that you would have an immediate clash. I would absolutely agree with a directly elected mayor with full powers not a Mickey Mouse one am I? Am I not? There's only one captain on any ship says Michael which I think, I think uh, sums it up and, and puts it very well indeed And but therein lies the dilemma at the moment for people it's hard to ask people to start thinking about it and making a decision do you want to directly elect mayor or not until we know exactly what executive powers they will actually have I mean, you don't want, a, I mean, or do you want a celebrity style mayor? I mean, if they've got executive powers, do we assume that it should be somebody who has already had political experience, a council experience? Should it come from one of the existing, should it be exist, an existing councillor should put their name forward? What about a politician, a full, you know, a TD would they be in the position to do it? Is it a businessman should be put in there? Because at the end of the day, you know, you're running a city. It is It is a business. Should it be somebody with a good business head? There's so much to be discussed and it's hard to discuss it when we don't know the exact details of what power this mayor will have. Karen was on to us in I think the... Uh, Chief executive, the CEO, should remain in place so the correct decisions are still maintained. We don't want a mayor like some other cities across the world where the mayors make rather odd decisions and no one can stop them because they have the power and then they're totally out of control. But Karen does feel €130,000 seems too much of a payment for a directly elected mayor. okay. thank you for your comments there on rubbish. Though this is rubbish, this is Bandon Cemetery. We were talking about Kilcrumper New Cemetery. But this is an issue that we highlighted, according to Frank, Frank in Bandon was on to say that we we raised the situation here and, and highlighted a situation here in the programme last year. And it was to do with people dumping domestic rubbish into a skip a skip that was provided at the graveyard in Bandon Now the council provided the skip at the graveyard in Bandon and the skip was there for people to throw away flowers and rubbish that, you know, would accumulate on their grave. That's what the skip was for. It was for nothing else. But unfortunately, when we highlighted it last year, there was a problem because people were bringing their household rubbish to the cemetery. I mean, I remember being absolutely baffled that anyone would think that That's an okay thing to do. I'm heading to the cemetery, or I'll bring a bag of rubbish from the kitchen with me and throw it into the skip in the cemetery. Anyway, we highlighted it, and the worry and the danger was that the skip would be removed. And then anyone going along to visit a loved one's grave, you know, if you've put fresh flowers on, and we know after a few weeks the fresh flowers die, you, you know, what would you do? Would you end up having to bring home all the dead flowers with you what were people going to have to do if the skip got removed so anyway we were talking about it in the hope that we get the message out to people to say please don't be putting your domestic rubbish into a skip that's left in a graveyard to facilitate the people that are going to visit their loved ones well Frank has been back on to us to say sadly since January people are back again bringing their household rubbish with them and put putting it into the skip. Now, well, one of two things are happening. They're either people going to visit a loved one's grave or bringing the rubbish with them or I would be more inclined to think that people are seeing this as a way of getting out of paying for their bin collection. And they're actually going to the graveyard specifically to dump the rubbish. They're probably not even visiting a loved one's grave And we've no way of knowing who's doing it. But I would assume that that's what happens. It's just people who have absolutely no respect for dead people or respect for bereaved people who are going to visit their loved ones and here you have a skip full of domestic rubbish. That is absolutely shameful. And the worry now is if that keeps up, the council will get sick of it and that skip will get pulled and then it's the bereaved families and the families going to visit their loved ones are the ones that ultimately will suffer, which really is uh, shocking. Derek in Mitchell's town saying on rubbish says, Last week on the programme, Patricia, you were discussing the fact that the council were going to start checking houses for proof that they had bin collections and if they didn't have bin collections they had to prove to the council how they get how they are getting rid of their rubbish. Derek in Mitchelstown wonders will the council call to the people that are living outside Kilcrumper New Cemetery and ask them how they are disposing of their uh, rubbish. Tom in for Moy says how long more are we going to have to wait to get the mobile home moved from the picnic area on the Cork Road in for Moy? Could that family not have picked somewhere else to stay. If anybody else did this we'd be moved on. It's very unfair on those who wish to use this facility and cannot. Last year when that particular family got highlighted on the programme, I remember we spoke with them, they contacted us and we spoke uh, with them and they said that they weren't putting in or out with anyone who was coming to have a picnic in the, the picnic area that they were keeping very much to themselves. Again the that family and the family outside Kilcrumper new cemetery highlighting the fact that there isn't a halting site in the Fromoy area and I know any time it's been raised councillors are very slow to suggest putting a halting site into Fromoy because it's you know it's kind of one of those things it's, there's a bit of NIMBYism about it isn't it not in my backyard nobody wants to have illegal travelling halting sites anywhere near them but they don't want legal ones uh, either but it is it's just highlighting the fact that there isn't a halting site in the Fomoy area also Eddie says by text uh, Patricia the family are now using the cemetery as washing facilities there's a tap inside the wall of the cemetery and it's been used to wash Nobody wants to be looking at that when you're going to visit your loved ones. Something needs to be done about it. And can I just stay on the whole issue of of the travelling community? Because... This is just broken in the news in in the last hour or two. Peter Casey has been speaking out this morning about the travelling uh, community. Remember Peter Casey and his comments when he was running in the presidential election and he made very controversial comments about members of the travelling community. Well, he's sticking by what he said and sticking by his beliefs. And he feels he he still says he wasn't wrong in what he said during the presidential election, he's reiterated his view that recognising travellers as an ethnic minority is nonsense. Um, he of course he became he was runner up, wasn't he, in the in the presidential election. He said at the time when the whole controversy broke, he did seriously consider pulling out of the race for Orse on Oothron. But he said that weekend, do you remember he took a weekend to reflect, he said he was blown away by the fact that he got about three thousand messages from people asking him to stay in the race. So he decided that he would. He says he was tired unfairly as a racist and when asked if his comments was wrong this is what he had to say uh, this morning.
3: No, <laughs> I mean there is absolutely no difference uh, in my DNA and a traveller's DNA. Uh, I don't think they are a different ethnic group. Obviously, it's not as healthy living in a caravan without proper, perhaps, sanitation or perhaps you know running water and all that. It's clearly not a healthy culture uh, because of the life expectancy.
5: OK, that's uh, Peter Casey talking earlier, so he's certainly not moving on from his the comments he made about the travelling community back in the uh, presidential election. And did I read over, over the weekend he's going to run, is it in Donegal? He's running for, he's planning on running at the next general election, so we haven't seen the last of Peter Casey, that is for sure. But the, the thing is, what Peter Casey was saying the time of the presidential election and what he's come out with again this morning, he's saying, I think, what a lot of people... Believe, but don't publicly want to say because people are afraid that they are going to be tired with that racist brush. And I think he just summed up, you know, the silent minority majority in this country. He certainly summed up what a lot of people were feeling. And Donald has contacted us. This is to in reaction to Eddie, Eddie, who joined us about the. The man with the van and Eddie's suspicion as to what this guy is doing with the rubbish and how, you know, he tried to do his bit and his civic duty by getting photographic evidence, getting on to the Environmental Department of Cork County Council, get on to the Garda to say, can you check this guy out? I, I don't have 100% proof that he's dumping it, but I've got real strong suspicions because he's there five, six days a week with a truck full of rubbish the rubbish suddenly disappears where is it going to I'm suspicious can you please look into it and then the environmental department has come back to him after he spoke this yesterday saying yeah we can do something about it but will you go to court and will you stand up and testify and that's made Eddie a bit nervous he's saying no I have a family I live in this area the person running this operation lives in the area. I, You know, really, I need to protect uh, my family. Dona was listening to that and he said, that's the problem with local authorities. They always make it your problem or the person who's trying to be civic minded and report something that is wrong. Uh, Dona says, he said, I reported dangerous, poorly maintained hedges on a road junction. And I reported it to Kerry County Council. Kerry County Council came back and said, they could only do something about it if I got the name of the farmer, says Donald. Oh, dear God. Whereas Donald was able to give, I'm assuming, exact location of where this dangerous, dangerously maintained hedge was that could have caused an accident. So he was being civic minded by making a note of it, saying exactly where it was. Getting on to Kerry County Council, assuming they have enough people working there that they would be able to locate who owns that land and then send some kind of an enforcement notice to tell that landowner, to tell that farmer, will you please maintain that hedge because it's going to cause an accident. But to expect Donal, who's just trying to make sure that an accident doesn't happen, to expect him to go and try to find out the name of the farmer. I mean, what was Donal to do? Go knock on the door of the house closest to it or try and find, just madness a- absolute madness uh, but you're right that does move the problem back on to the member of the public who's trying to be civic minded fifty-three-three-three-one-zero-three. 103. John Paul taking your calls text or whatsapp 0862 103 C103 Jobs Supervalue in Boabwee, they've got a vacancy for a deli assistant, while a motor mechanic is wanted for stripping parts from 4x4 four four vehicles that's in the West Cork area. A loading shovel driver is wanted for work in the Cork area, and a dispatch coordinator is wanted at the donkey sanctuary in Liscaral. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. And a reminder to you to celebrate our latest radio uh, listenership figures, we are dishing out free money here at C103. You have a chance to grab a share of €5,000. It's the C103 cash tracks. What happens is, starting next Monday uh, Simon on The Breakfast Show will announce the Superstar of the Day and we'll have a different Superstar uh, every day so you've got to make a note of the Superstar of the Day, 8.15 every morning and then make a note of the Superstar and then stay tuned to C103 keep listening and at some stage during the day, we guarantee at some stage during the day you will hear two songs played back to back from that artist, from the Superstar that Simon will have told you about at 8.15 in the morning and when we play it you need to be caller at 50 to eight. 150, at uh, 333103 and caller 50 will win 500 euro and we'll keep doing it until we've given away 5000 euro ok and that's starting next Monday that's the C103 cash tracks with Cavanas, the new name for Ford in Mallow for new and used car sales Visit kavanaghs.com. That is your chance to uh, win. 1850 333 103, John Paul taking your calls. Now, 41,600 people were on the outpatient eye care waiting list at the end of December 2018, with the list increasing from 39,900 at the end of the previous year. So the numbers are unfortunately going in the wrong direction when it comes to the waiting list. The Association of Optometrists say eye care services need to be reformed and joining me from the association is Linda McGivney-Nolan. Good morning to you Linda. Good morning Patricia. Uh, And you're welcome to the programme. Now these are truly shocking figures. I mean many of those must be on that waiting list for well over a year.
9: Oh absolutely Um, 16,200 were on it for over a year. Fifty ten and a half for over eighteen months, and that's increasing year on year. So, as you say, these numbers, these figures, are going in the wrong direction.
5: And with an aging population, is it safe to say th- that these waiting lists will only get longer if something isn't Absolutely, done?
9: Absolutely, because most, the majority of people on this waiting list, these waiting lists, um, are people who are awaiting cataract surgery, which of course is an eye disease of the older older population. So, as we age are more prone to developing complications with our eyesight um so you know from cataracts to glaucoma to age related macular degeneration to um, diabetic diabetic um, eye disease complications so Yes, yeah, there are more of us. We're living longer. And um, and more will more, we'll, uh, yes,
5: more will, re- require treatment. Now, I yes. know the HSC will come back and say, look, we're doing our best. We've put additional theatre space into the Royal Victoria and to Nina hospitals during that, that year. Has that helped particularly with the inpatients list? It
9: has brought the inpatient list down slightly, but it isn't making any movement on the outpatient list, which would suggest that... Well, they're clearing the inpatient list, they still aren't taking patients in from the outpatients, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, so what they need to be able to do is to get people out. So, for example, with cataract surgery, which is fantastic. And we we fully welcome the addition of these two new um, uh, um,
8: theatres.
9: Yeah, Theatres, yes. Um, what they need to be doing is getting the patients out back into the community. So in, in the northwest of Ireland, we have a post-cataract scheme where once you've had your surgery done, you go out into the community and the optometrist takes off your care from there. Now, these are patients seeing anyway because after you get your cataracts done, you have to get new glasses. So um, we, we have this running since 2010, very successfully in the northwest, and it has brought down waiting in the- because what you're doing is you're creating hospital space by getting patients out into the community. And that model can be followed with other areas of eye care. So this is being done in Scotland. The Scottish model is superb. Um, All over the UK they're bringing this in. Um, And countries now in Europe are moving towards this model of care. It's being done in Australia, New Zealand, um, the States, Canada. And in Ireland we're still stuck in this whole mindset that everything has to be through the hospital.
5: So we have an over-reliance on the hospital model.
9: Totally, then. totally. We just have historically an over-reliance on hospital care and we're not really moving with the times, with technology, with new training um, to, to to bring our eye care structures into a 21st century model, really.
5: But yet there's constant talk about slainter care and Schlauntercare, the, the model of slainter care is based on bringing... Care into the community,
9: absolutely. But it's not, it's not happening for eye
5: care. It absolutely doesn't make any sense. And yep. we, of course, have so many of our listeners who've gone to Belfast uh, for exactly uh, for cataract it. operations. Yep.
9: It's a particular issue in your part of the country. In Cork and Kerry, there are some of the longest waiting lists for cataract surgery in the country. And I know, I've, I've spoken about this before, people taking buses and raising money to go up to Belfast to have their cataract done and then claiming the money back. Yeah. It's, it's scandalous and it shouldn't be happening. And, you know, we're not doctors. We're not going to be able to answer all the problems. Because, you know, a lot of there are areas that we can't treat, we can't manage, but there are a lot of areas that we can and we can take things out of the hospital, away from the GPs as well, because the GPs are pushed to the pin of their collar. They're completely um, stressed with the pressure of their patients. So when it comes to eye care, this is what we are trained to do. This is what we, you know, this is our scope of practice. This is what we're educated for. We're already seeing the patient. So if somebody rocked up with a red eye to us, Patricia, we're the ones who look at
1: the eye and decide. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing.
9: You know, we want to be able to treat that patient in our chair without having to say, well, you're going to have to go to the GP to get an antibiotic.
5: You know See, I, I was I was blown away yesterday when I discovered this, that you can't mm. write a prescription for an antibiotic. No, we can't. And you can buy that. And yet antibiotic. you can diagnose what's wrong and you know yeah. an antibiotic will fix yeah. it.
9: Yeah. And not only that, we can differentially diagnose. So if you come in with a red eye, this is part of what we are trained to do. We are trained to look at that red eye, carry, you know, observe it, to carry out certain examinations, and determine whether it's a bacterial infection, whether that bacterial infection is going to respond to an antibiotic. Is it viral? Is it an inflammation? Is it an allergy? Is it something more serious? You know, this this we're we're trained to triage that red eye. We're trained to treat it, but because of the current situation, we're not allowed to prescribe for it.
5: So then you have to say to me, now you need to go to your doctor to get an antibiotic? Now you
9: need to go to your doctor to get an antibiotic.
5: That is... Cr- and and I'm assuming gigantic. that's not the case in other countries.
9: No, no, it's not. In the UK, you can buy one of those antibiotics over the counter in a pharmacy. But here and
5: you've here got to go, you to, go to go to your, your doctor. GP. And
9: GPs don't want this. Yeah. They don't want this But well, they're
5: already overworked.
9: Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, with small changes that will allow us to write a prescription to say to someone, like, up to the pharmacy, there's a prescription, get your tube or chloromyces and or whatever. Um, in, in some cases, for example, with the post-cataract scheme, it's very, very rare, but some patients may have an inflammatory reaction, and they might just need a short course of topical steroids. We're trained to do this, but we can't write the prescription for it. And then in the UK and in other countries, you have optometrists who've done additional training to become independent prescribers. And they can go as far as treating conditions like um, uh, glaucoma.
5: Wow. Well. And you've obviously put all these suggestions to the powers that be because your solution ultimately could save the HSE money and it's all about saving money at, well, at the moment.
9: It. You know, we're not, we're not asking for much. We're saying, please let us do what we can do. That's what you're training us for. Let's put the structures in place to let us do it. Let's help you, okay? Um, and, and, and let's take... The resources that we have in the community, you know, we've we've come to you with this plan. We're offering a solution. I think we're one of the few professions actually coming offering a an evidence based solution. I might add. So, you know, it's it's. it's, um, what, it's what, I and mean. what has been
5: said to you? What what has been reaction to it? Oh, we're going to have a
9: review. We're going to look at it. Another review. Let's have a meeting.
5: Ah, so weird. On Un- real, particularly when, you know, the, the papers today is full of how the government are going to save money for the overspend on the children's hospital. And here's something that straight away is going to save the money. Absolutely. And make and, life easier for a lot of people. Yeah. And it doesn't need any reviews.
9: You know, you can start off with the post-cataract scheme. It's been reviewed. It's been um, audited. Um you know, I'm not going to be going on national media saying we can do this and we can't. It's yeah. part of what we do, and we're saying just let us, you know, put the structures in place. And you know, like we've another, we've another issue with the the PRSI versus HSC payments. So, um, if you have PRSI, you can now actually access more eye care um, with an optometrist than you can if you have a medical card, because the um, the the DEASP has um, changed what you can claim now. So that you can actually get more for your optical benefit and your PRSI, whereas the HSC is the medical card allowance is frozen at pre austerity
5: level. Okay, you've got to, you've got solutions there, and oh, we have to but be. they're they for whatever reason the they're deciding to not to on listen. Deaf ears.
9: All so right, I'm Linda. really hoping that the, the minister and the HP will listen to it. Well, they're, we they're desperate forward. to
5: save money at the moment. So this might be the time. It just might Absolutely. be the time. All Absolutely. right, Linda, listen, pleasure talking to you. Thank you Thank for that. You so Thanks much. for joining us. Uh, bye bye. That you. is Linda McEveney who is an, op- an an optometric advisor with the Association of Optometrists. It's 1850 333 John Paul, text your calls. Text your WhatsApp Eight six two one zero three one zero three.
3: Ladies and gents, this is the moment we've waited for.
0: To tell you how many people listen to C103 every day. Our numbers show we're the first thing you hear in the morning and last thing at night.
3: And we appreciate it. <laughs> According to the latest radio listenership figures,
0: 257,000 adults now listen to C103 and Corks 96 FM every week.
3: Source Jane Lore Ipsos MRBI 2018 4. Cork's greatest shows are on your favourite station. And
0: stay listening to win your share of €5,000 with C103 Cash
3: Tracks. Starts Monday on Cork's greatest hits, C103. (laughs) Hashtag Choose Radio.
0: This is the
5: Cork Today replay on C103. Now, the West Cork Development Partnership are today launching a new programme called Ability. It's aimed at young people between the ages of 19 and 29 who are dealing with mental health issues. Joining me, Aaron O'Driscoll, who is the acting CEO of the West Cork Development Partnership. Good morning to you, Aaron.
11: Good morning and thank you for having
5: us, Well, you're very welcome to the programme. OK, start by outlining how the Ability programme will operate.
11: OK, so um, the Ability Programme is aimed at um, young people living in West Cork between the ages of 19 and 29 years old who are possibly feeling isolated or excluded, and we're looking to or uh, help them with in the areas of confidence or motivation or setting goals and personal development, really. The uh, programme really is very person-centred.
5: And is, is it aimed at people who have been diagnosed with mental health issues?
11: Okay, so um, there are a number of routes onto the programme, I suppose. So you can either be, I suppose, clinically diagnosed with a mental health condition or presenting with an undiagnosed mild mental health symptoms such as mild depression or anxiety. And we'll, we're also hopeful that people will be active with relevant uh, services, supporting young people with mental health conditions at the time of referral. Um, and maybe due to mental health difficulties those the participants are having difficulties accessing one or all of the, uh, like the likes of education, training, employment or community engagement. And I suppose an important thing is that the client or the participant actually wants to engage in personal development with a view to accessing education, training and or employment.
5: And it really is all about building the young person's confidence and self-belief, isn't it?
11: Correct, yeah, spot on, Patricia. It's, um, it's again, um, to raise your I suppose it's uh, very person-centred. We have a team of uh, four uh, employees working with us as uh, staff. who um, We have uh, two personal development officers who help the participants tailor a plan to suit their needs and put into action a um, uh, method of, of achieving those goals. We have an occupational therapy, therapist, who will support the clients to identify their strengths and interests and um, they'll work with the participants to develop those goals and support strategies to achieve them. And we also have a youth engagement officer who can offer extra support to participants before, during and possibly after the programme.
5: Well done. And it's a completely new programme. You haven't done anything like this before, have you?
11: No actually it's a new area for West Quark Development Partnership and it's a program that we're really really excited about. Um, our, our team uh, put together the application uh, back in 2017 um, our existing staff members and you know they put a lot of hard work into the application and we were one of 27 uh, successful groups organisations around Ireland who were successful in securing funding for this three year program, which is co financed by the Irish Government and the European Social Fund as part of the ESF program for employability, inclusion and learning 2014 to 2020. So, well done,
5: yeah, well done. Great. Because if if you have mental health issues, living in a rural area can just make you feel even more isolated.
11: Correct, yeah, and that's what we're coming across and West Cork Development Partnership reach out to all areas of West Cork whether you're in Kinsale, Bandon, Clonakilty, all the way down to the Bear Peninsula to the Miss Peninsula, Sheep's Head, Iries, Alleyes or you name it, McCroom where we're, we, we have a foothold in all of those towns and those communities and we deliver a lot of existing programs like the Social Inclusion and Community Activation Programme so and we meet an awful lot of people and individuals and I suppose we hear a lot of things and one thing that we were coming across was look, rural isolation, mental health, um, you know stress, lack of focus, low self esteem and yeah, environment is does contribute to a lot of, of those issues and it's okay. It's it's okay to have mental health issues. Yeah, you know, it's,
5: it's it's we've often said it here in the programme, it's okay to not feel okay.
11: That's right, one in four of us will deal with a mental yeah. health condition at some point in our life. In fact, it's, it's probably more than that if we if we really got down to the nuts and bolts of it.
5: Yeah, I, I'm really excited about this project because I do feel if, you're, if you are feeling that you need help and you're in an urban area and, and you've got the will to get out there and, and get the help, the help will be available close by. But when you're in a rural area, it just adds an extra level to what you're going through. So I think what you're doing here by bringing it to people's doorsteps uh, really is fantastic. So the idea is that you will, each of the participants will have their own personal action plan developed because obviously every participant is going to be different.
11: Yeah, we all have our unique needs and issues and I suppose the referral is made and the team will decide whether ability is the right fit for the person. They'll meet up, they'll have a chat, they'll identify current challenges, strengths, Skills and goals. Develop a personal centered plan, and they'll hopefully confidence will increase. offer support and they'll determine then whether they're ready to start engaging, maybe in education, volunteering, and and like we're we've, we're actually dealing uh, working very closely with a gentleman that you spoke to there on your program last November, uh, Ross Williams from North Cork, and you know he was somebody that when we were listening to your program just said okay this is something or somebody that the ability program would be a very very close fit for so look there's probably somebody listening in a car at home at work um on the farm you name it right now they probably know somebody between the age of 19 and 29 who might need help who might just need um uh, you know somebody to talk to uh, somebody to reach out to and um you know that's that's what that's what our
5: team are there to do because it's going to be hard for somebody to to hear this and go yeah that's me I need that help but there will be a family member who will know that this programme is just what Johnny or Mary needs at this moment in time
11: Correct, And we've already uh, received a number of referrals and,
6: um, you
11: know, it's all really true word of mouth and that's why we thought, you know, c three would be kind of a, an important forum for us because, you know, it's the listenership that will, you know, identify the, with the program and, you know, somebody might can put their hand up and say it, but somebody will know somebody that's in this category. And um, look, all they have to do is contact the team. They're based out of the guilty Office um, we, they can contact us here at 4035, or they can go on to our website www.wcdp.ie under the uh, the program setting. There's a specific area to do with um, Ability Program and there's a, a registration form there that people can fill out and that will come straight through the, to, directly to the ability Ability Team.
5: Well done. And you're having uh, a launch in uh, the wonderful Farnhill House Hotel today? Correct. No, actually, that's tomorrow. Tomorrow? Uh, no, Wednesday. Regret,
11: uh, Wednesday. Wednesday,
5: yeah. Sorry, Her- Wednesday.
11: Yeah, Wednesday, 13th of February. Um, registration opens at 4.30 and we have a line-up of speakers. Dr. Liam Shine, Senior Clinical Psychologist with West Cork HSC Services. A gentleman also by the name of Graham McCormick, could be a life coach, mindfulness coach, suicide survivor, and um, then we'll have Leah Narita, MEP, um, who'll actually be uh, officially launching the programme for us. So, yeah, it's open to the public. It's open to anybody who might just want to find out more. Who might um, want to just uh, put some faces to names. Um, there's, it's, it's free of charge. Anyone is welcome to attend. You don't have to register. Um, it is up on Eventbrite, but if somebody wants to just um, come along to Ferd Hill tomorrow and um, from 4.30 on they're more than welcome we'd be delighted
5: to see them Okay listen we wish you good luck uh, with it Aaron and keep in contact with us if there's anything else uh, we can ever do by way of publicising anything for you for the programme because it's it's a fantastic initiative so well done to everybody involved I think this is going to be a big big success for the West Cork Development Partnership and we thank you for taking time out to talk to us today appreciate that thanks very much Good morning to you bye bye bye, Aaron O'Driscoll there who's the acting CEO of the West Cork Development Partnership and I really I. I I really think this this ability uh, program is um, fantastic. I think it's so badly needed because there's none of us really that we have. There isn't a household that hasn't in some way been touched by somebody who's living with anxiety, somebody who's living with depression, a mood disorder, uh, somebody who's just got low self-esteem. And really what they what they need is just that little bit of help, that little bit of guiding light to point them in the right direction to tell them yes life can be good again we can help you here and that's exactly what this particular co- this particular programme ability is going to do so best of luck and, and well done to everybody involved in the West Coast Development uh, Partnership Uh, for taking it on board. A couple of emails into Patricia at c103.ie to catch up with. Uh, One coming in to tell me about a fundraising dance that's happening in the Parkway Hotel in Dunmanway on Sunday the 24th of February. So that is Sunday week. It is a joint fundraising dance. It's in aid of the Dialysis Unit in Cork and Beaumont Hospital in Dublin, the Kidney Transplant Unit. Music on the Night will be by Finn by Dennehy with admission €10 and there'll be a raffle on the night and dance will get underway at 9.45pm. So mark that one in your diary please. If you're in the Domanway area Parkway Hotel in Domanway Sunday the 24th of February and I always think the start of the year and even though we're into February still the start of the year it's a nice time to think about taking up something be it a new hobby or getting involved, volunteering. Great. It's all fantastic to volunteer. With that in mind, the Irish Guide Dogs have contacted us to say they're looking for volunteers in the Mallow area to try to help them raise much-needed funds to help them train more dogs and to provide more uh, support to both visually impaired adults and children uh, with autism. So they're going to be holding a meeting in the Mallow Social Hall on the new road in Mallow on the 7th of March. I'm giving you great advance notice of this at 8 o'clock. At the moment, Richard Dempsey is the local volunteer and chairperson of the Mallow branch. But in order for Richard to continue the great work that he's doing, he needs extra volunteers. Many hands make light work and all of that. So they're looking for people to take part and get involved. So if you are free and have a bit of time on your hands and would like to get involved and would like to help out with the Irish Guide Dogs who are an absolutely wonderful charity. They really are. They are exceptional. So if you're in the Mallow area, the March the 7th at 8 o'clock in the Mallow Social Hall on the new Road to Mallow. And I will put that aside and uh, leave it in a list of I'll mention that again list uh, closer to the time, because I know sometimes if you give if you tell uh, people about something and then you don't remind them of it it goes out of their head OK eighteen fifty three we're going to take a break we go to the newsroom at 12 at uh, midday we'll catch up with your thoughts and comments that have been coming in all morning and Joe Heflin in the next hour is going to be talking about how to counter negative self-talk it's all to come in the final hour
8: more music.
0: The Breakfast Show in Cork, paying out €1,600, is back tomorrow morning. See? See? Tell me who they are, I'll give you the money. I've got the best soundtrack in Cork to wake up to, latest traffic details, all the big breaking stories of the morning, and there's four hours of it. I'm back in the morning, chat here from six, or whenever you decide to get out of bed. See? 103!
3: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
5: A couple of people looking for the telephone number that Aaron O'Driscoll from the West Cork Development Partnership gave out about this ability pro uh, programme that they're launching Fernhill House Hotel tomorrow in if you people want to go along to, to the launch feel free because that is open to uh, to everyone but it is for you aimed at people between 19 and 29 living anywhere in the West Cork uh, area who has been dealing with any type of mental health issues if you think this programme is for a family member please make contact even if you just pick up the phone have a chat with them or go onto their website and, and check it out it could just must be what your family member is looking for o two three double eight three four zero three five that's o two three. 8834035 you know even if you just have the chat to find out if it's suitable for a family member you know nothing ventured nothing gained 023883403@5 okay let me go to the text messages for a second because a text came in there during the news at 12 from Rob uh, in West Cork afternoon to you Rob I says hi Trish uh, help please from your listeners It is too wet to work today, so I'm here at home. I like to bake and I'm not too bad at it either, says our Rob. But can any of your listeners please define what a tablespoon is when it comes up in a recipe? Is it a teaspoon? Is it a dessert spoon? Is it a soup spoon? Everybody seems to tell me differently. Thanking you, says Rob in West Cork. Ah, uh, I, I actually have a very handy little thing that I got a number of years ago and it's a set of Five or six plastic spoons and they're all individually marked half a teaspoon, teaspoon, tablespoon, two tablespoons. Handiest thing I ever, ever got and where I got it from. And it's just made out of very cheap plastic. But obviously our Robin Westcork doesn't have one of those implements that t- that'll, he'll be able to measure exactly what a, a tablespoon is. I would plumb for, I would say a dessert spoon. It definitely isn't a teaspoon. It's bigger than a teaspoon a soup spoon to me would be too deep you might end up putting too much and usually when it comes to a recipe and they're saying a tablespoon it's usually something like baking powder or it's some essence like vanilla essence or something that you're adding to it and you want to put in enough but you don't want to put in too much either or you could you know overdue if it's a flavour, uh, for example, uh, for uh, uh, like something like vanilla essence, for example. I actually was baking at the weekend with Marsha, who absolutely loves to bake and she loves to do anything that's got like a lot of smells, being, you know, being blind. Her sense of smell is so important to her. She loves to knead things. So there's always great excitement when we decide to do some baking. And at the weekend, I needed to make vegan muffins and it's a long story why i was making vegan muffins but i was try making muffins without eggs but it works and it is it is possible but i know in that recipe there was a number of items that i had to put tablespoons into but i had my little set of spoons but failing that i would use a dessert spoon but I'm not the most prolific of bakers so we'll hand it out to the listeners anyone from the ICA I always think ICA ladies are just the most amazing bakers when it comes to baking cakes and buns and they always seem to get it right they never seem to get it wrong so they'll, they'll be the women in the know A tablespoon. Is it a dessert spoon that our Rob should be going for? He's trying to do some baking at home on a wet day when he can't get to work. 1850 333 If you can point us in the right direction so that we can pass that information on to uh, Rob, you can text her WhatsApp as well to 0862 103, 103. Um, Hi says Sandy by text. In a period of cutbacks in a number of our small post offices nationwide. Do you know that on Post have signalled their intention uh, of upgrading their logo image at a cost of? 5 million euro the government has allowed a public service body retain a number of high earning management and consultants while putting a larger workload on fewer postmen and women and closing some of our post offices telling the public they are not viable I was unaware of that 5 million for a new logo see it isn't just the designing of the logo it's everything else has to get changed as well but that does seem like a huge huge sum of money for a company that has been trying to save money and a company that put up the price of stamps not too uh, long ago. Well spotted. I hadn't seen it and certainly wasn't uh, aware of that. Now, getting in, still getting in a number of calls about the interview that we carried earlier with Councillor Noel McCarthy and this is to do with the family who have a mobile home parked outside Kilcrumper New Cemetery in Fomoy and it's causing a lot of upset particularly to people in the area that have loved ones buried in Kilcrumper and people like to go and visit their loved ones and they like the area in and around a cemetery to be as respectful as possible. I mean you can have really bereaved people you know in the early days of following a death that raw bereavement and some people say the last thing that they need to be confronted with is this mobile home that is parked there. But what a number of people are more, more concerned about is that this family that live in this mobile home, they have three very, very small children. Obviously children can't be confined in a mobile home. So the children are outside playing. It's a very busy road. For people who don't know the New Cemetery outside of Vermont. it's a very, very busy road. And it's actually, some of the listeners contacting us are saying they're actually put off going to visit their loved one's grave because of these children running around. They're terrified that they're going to get involved uh, in an accident. Well, some of your texts and calls in about that. Uh, Pat was listening to the piece about Peter Casey, because when you you mention the travelling community now, Peter Casey, you almost think about almost immediately because of his comments about the travelling community and the travelling community getting an ethnic status. And he brought this up, of course, during the presidential election. And then coincidentally, today, he gets interviewed on this topic again. So he's back very much in the news about his views on... the travelling community and he feels the ethnic status was wrong. Well, Pat says, Patricia, P- Peter Casey is bang on and I couldn't agree with him more. I think a lot of it is nonsense, this thing about giving the travelling community ethnicity. And what about the members of the travelling community not taking the new uh, homes unless they got a parcel of land with it just because it is their culture. They wanted the parcel of land for their horses. People are using this racist bull, that's how, how That's Pat's words, not mine. Just to get what they want and it's done out of fear. Make people afraid and we will get what we want. It's time to stop it now. And you're right about the rubbish at the cemetery in Bandon. People are killing two birds with one stone. They'll bring a bag with them and throw it into the skip and get rid of it that way, which is absolutely shameful. It really is. And then we had a caller who doesn't want us to call out her name, which is fine who is a resident of Beechfield Estate in Fermoy because the background to the story of Kilcrumper Cemetery is the family that are, that are moved and have been there now since June of last year are the same family that had been living in a caravan on the green area of Beechfield Estate in Fermoy, and the caravan got into disrepair and they replaced it with a mobile home and that's what most upset the residents in Beechfield Estate. The council ended up having to go get a court injunction against them to move them on and they did move but they just moved down the road to Kilcrumper New Cemetery. Well, one of the residents from Beechfield Estate was listening to us discussing the issue on the programme today and contacted John Paul and said that everybody seems to be blaming the family and the family that are living in this mobile uh, home. But at the end of the day, this this resident feels that the blame actually lies with the council and not with This family, who are members of the travelling community, she feels that the council have a lot to answer for. So, people are very quick to jump on the bandwagon about this family. She does admit that she was actually one of the objectors at the start who objected to the mobile home on the green area. She was one of the Local people that protested against it. She was one of the ones, do you remember, they impounded the mobile home at one stage. She said, "I hands up, I was involved in all of that. But she said at the time, if the Gardaí had done their job right, the situation wouldn't have ended up the way it ended up. She said those little children used to play on the estate and she said they actually played with her own grandchildren. She said they were lovely, sweet kids. And she said it's now so sad to see those same little children Playing on the road outside Kilcrumper New Cemetery. Should I know of cars that have to stop as the children end up playing out on the road? It's just so sad and should not be happening. But she blames Cork County Council as they have not helped in this situation. And she said it is wrong to point the finger of blame at the family. It is the uh, council. And then Noel McCarthy would say, and and did say again when when I interviewed him thank you by the way to to that listener who contacted us he did say that this family needs to engage with the council officials last June they were offered emergency accommodation when they were trying to move them from Beechfield Estate they were offered emergency accommodation I know when they moved to Kilcumpa New Cemetery they were offered emergency accommodation the family at the time it was to a hotel was where they would have gone they didn't want to go into a hotel my memory serves me right, they were looking for... what Now, they ideally would like a house, but they were saying in the meantime, they wanted a serviced site for their mobile home because they bought that mobile home themselves. So they wanted to move it into a halting site or give them some kind of a service site with water and sanitation, and they would move there. I mean, they don't want to be living either on the side of the road outside of a cemetery. It's the last place they want to be living. They want to be somewhere where they would have access to water and they will have access to sanitation but the council will say we're doing the best we can with this family we did offer them emergency accommodation you can't force somebody into emergency accommodation but they declined it 1850 333 103 Uh, John Paul taking the calls Heidi was listening to our chat with the optometrists whom just make so much sense they can save the HSE money by moving a lot of the care that's required around eye care and cataract operations. You need to go to the hospital to have the cataract operation, but the follow-up care, that can be done in the community. Optometrists are trained. They're trained as eye specialists. But yet we are reliant on everything happening in the hospital, which means bringing people back for appointments and then follow-up appointments and then back again. And then if you do go to an optometrist and if they discover there's something wrong that needs an antibiotic, they then have to send you back to your GP and GPs we know are overstretched as it is. So this is a very simple solution been put forward by this association. They're willing to do the work. They have their members in the community. They can save money. We know Solanta Care is all about moving everything into the community. And yet they seem to be hitting a brick wall. It just makes absolutely no sense to me at all. Particularly now at a time when all over the papers we're hearing about the children's hospital, the overspend in the children's hospital. And we're constantly hearing how money has to be saved in order to pay for the hospital. To be built. So here we have a group who are saying, We can save you money. Hello, look at us. Come talk to us. Heidi says, Patricia, the HSC, it's all about money and not saving it. it ju- you just have to look at what and who are lobbying on behalf of the supplements for the, the, the health supplements. And the VAT that's going on on the 1st of uh, March, says uh, uh, Heidi. And just one final comment in this batch. Hi, Patricia. Tom here. Just a quick comment on the family living in the green area, the picnic area in Fromoy They said they weren't stopping anyone from having a picnic there. Yet we pass it regularly. And if they're not there, then the gate is shut. So you can't have a picnic there any time because the family that are living there dictate when the gate is opened and when the gate is closed. And then if you do go in there, the family have dogs, hens and cockerels running loose. I'm not against the travelling community at all, but that area, that green area in Formoy is simply not suitable. For the housing of a family in a mobile home. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking you calls. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving
3: Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie.
5: Now, Cardallery Community Development have postponed their AGM. It was due to be held this evening, but it's been transferred to next Tuesday, 8 o'clock in Oak Lawn. Shandon Area History Group are inviting people to a talk entitled Jailbreak. It's on tomorrow, Wednesday, half past seven in Kofa House in Church Street near Shandon. John Mulcahy will speak about Donica McNeilis, one of the most famous escapees from the Old Cork County Jail dancing to Finn Dennehy in Kilbritton Hall for their social and dance with tea and cakes that's happening on Friday night at half past nine with proceeds going towards the upkeep of the hall and a monster bingo in aid of Rathbury National School will be held in the Celtic Ross in Rossgarbury on Sunday next starts at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Cash prizes and raffle. Everyone very welcome. And a huge thank you to the number of people who have jumping in to help out Rob in West Cork who can't work today because it's too wet so he's at home wants to do a little bit of baking and he wants us, he asked me to ask the listeners how do you define a tablespoon? Is it a teaspoon, a dessert spoon or a soup spoon? And I thought that a tablespoon was a dessert spoon. Well I'm wrong, wrong, wrong. I did say I wasn't a very, <laughs> a very good baker and I also did say I have one of those measuring spoons which by the way somebody on WhatsApp says those measuring spoons you can get them in any discount shop if uh, Rob is out and about in a discount shop you'll find them they really are handy they're five or six spoons all together and they've got all the different measurements Anyway, lots and lots and lots of people pointing out that a tablespoon that you'll see in a a recipe, which is what Rob is looking for, is 15 mLs, which is the equivalent of about three teaspoons, because one teaspoon is five mLs. Or if you have one of those little spoons, you know, if you have a child in the house and you're giving them Calpol or Nurofen or any of those, there's that little spoon is, is five mls, isn't it? So you three of those, um, 15 mls uh, is uh, what it is. And lots and lots of people breathe. And thank you to people who put their name on. Eileen in Clance says, my mother always said that one one tablespoon is two dessert spoons if you want to go with that one as well. Thank you for that, uh, Eileen. Tablespoon slightly bigger than a dessert spoon. Uh, I have those spoons too, says uh, Esther. I bake two Uh, tell Rob that I would go with the dessert spoons. I often use it instead. I couldn't be bothered taking the spoons out of the drawer, Esther, is the time I'd be using it as well. So it's two dessert spoons. Um, It's a dessert spoon. Yeah, it's two if you want to get one tablespoon, it's two dessert spoons, but it's, it's, it's 15 mls is what you are looking for. So thank you. Huge, huge reaction. It uh, always amazes me how um, kind people are to jump in straight away and to help somebody out. Uh, you know, as soon as we put out a call like that, we always get reaction on it. And thanks to Valerie in Cove. 15 mLs is the equivalent of 3 teaspoons because each teaspoon is 5 ml, which it is. Thank you. We were talking about on post and I wasn't aware of this until one of our listeners pointed it out uh, to us. On post are signalling that they are Uh, upgrading the intention to upgrade their logo and it's going to cost five million. I was making the point that stamps are going up. Dennis says, on post is increasing the price of stamps effective from the 25th of February for international postage. However, on an interesting point, their Valentine stamps are two euro off for a book of ten if people are interested in stocking up kind regards says uh, Dennis can I just ask who's sending ten valentine cards that you would need to have buy a book of ten or are they or are they the stamps that they bring out at this time of year for weddings is, is that why there's a book of ten now maybe there are very romantic people out there that would decide that that's how many stamp so many Valentine cards they're going to send if you want to get a book of 10 you can get 2 euro off thank you for that Dennis saving us all a little bit of money and some of your texts that came in a little bit earlier and apologies that we didn't get to these this is John Uh, morning to you John says what cutbacks will there be to make up the pay rises now for the nurses will it be more borrowed money what about people in the private sector we're all on bad wages many of us live on a minimum wage and we've no voice at all says John well the nurses are saying that's the the money will be found from savings and, and only time will tell but Patricia says another texter, I think it's scandalous the money being spent on the children's hospital in Dublin at the expense of other hospitals around the country. Most people around the country won't ever see that building. It'll only be for a few so don't get carried away. It's costing too much. They're better off spreading the money to hospitals around the country and we're if you're reading the papers today, I'm in the front page of the Irish Daily Mail. They talk about new ambulances, expensive hospital equipment, whole treatment units, all could be blocked today because of the overspent from the National Children's Hospital. MRI machines, CT scanners, x-rays, even ultrasound devices will have to be caught. And this is due to the National Children's Hospital spiralling budget and obviously the government now have to make up the shortfall. So they're going to have to stall a number of high-profile building projects and it's the Finance Minister, Pascal Donoghue, who is today going to the government. He's bringing a programme of deferrals and delays. They've got to try to save €100 million euro on capital spending across the whole of the government this year because of this big hole That's in the budget for the National Children's uh, Hospital. So that's what's going to have to be saved. 50 million euro will come from the Department of Health's capital allocation this year with 50 million in 2019 coming from other departments. But the 50 million out of the health budget will have a knock-on effect for that texture is right for all of our hospitals all over the country. So, yes, we all will suffer because there will be an MRI machine that will need to be replaced here in Cork or a CT scanner that they'll need in a hospital here in Cork or some other piece of equipment and literally when our hospital executives go back to the Department of Health to say we need to replace this or we need that, uh, we'll simply be told no sorry we don't have the money because the money has ended up going into the National uh, Children's Hospital so everybody suffers, everybody suffers because of it. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. lines are open, uh, John Paul takes your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 0862- 103
0: 103. Hi, Martina here. Join me every weekday from 4 to 7 for Drive Time, where I'll keep you up to date on all the latest traffic information. We'll spread some positivity with our feel-good story and song of the day. And of course, we'll be serving up a generous
5: portion of Cork's greatest hits. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And thank you to somebody who pointed out when I was talking about the graveyard in Bandon and the skip that um, shamefully uh, people are dumping domestic rubbish into a skip that's provided at the graveyard for people to if they're cleaning up flowers or old wreaths from their grave there's a skip provided so that people can put any waste anything that's left uh, they can throw it into the skip and unfortunately people and it came up again last year we thought the situation had got solved but we're now hearing since January people are back again dumping domestic rubbish into it and I was making the point that the council will pull that skip if it's being abused. Leam Bandon has been on to say Patricia that skip is actually provided by the parish of Bandon it's the parishioners who pay for that skip and then you've got people local people abusing it that is shameful. The graveyard in Bandon is not a council graveyard it's owned by the parish so it's under the remit of the parish so it's the local parishioners who pay for that uh, skip. Sorry I was unaware of that. Thank you Liam for pointing that out to us. And Joan in Formoy was on to us to say she went to pick up her medication, her monthly medication it's normally on the drug refund scheme you pay €134 but of course it got announced in the budget last October that that's coming down by €10 so Joan was looking forward to having an extra €10 in her pocket but when she went to pay she was asked to pay €134 she said I thought it decreased in January to be told by the pharmacist, no for the first year ever that cutback is not coming in until uh, it April, which is rather shameful. It normally comes in in January. Have others noticed that as well? Thank you for your call, uh, Joan. 1850 333 Joe Heffernan uh, joins us on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe.
10: Good afternoon, Patricia.
5: And you are welcome to the programme. Yeah. And uh, we spoke about negative self-talk last week and how self-talk can creep up on all of us, I think, at some stage. And today we're moving on to how important it is to counter that self-talk and to almost nip it in the bud and stop it before it takes over.
10: Yeah, yeah. Um, Last week we talked about the warrior, the critic, the perfectionist and the victim and like what they say to us. So now today we're kind of going to um, have a look at what we can say to them. Um, And, you know, with, with the negative self talk, um, w- uh, um, a great little sentence is like, look at the evidence. Um, like, what is the evidence for this? Um, is it actually true? Is it always true? Was it always true in the past? That kind of thing. Um, we'll just take an example, worrying about, we'll say, an interview. Right. So. A, B, C. We look at A, B, C. Um, a is the actual event. We'll say, right, I'm going for a job interview. Okay. Now, B is the important bit. My belief about the event. Now, that can range from it'll be a disaster, I, uh, my my nerves will come at me and I won't be able to speak at all. Uh, right up to hopefully i'll be okay so that like my belief about the event is b and then c is um the consequences of my belief um the consequences could be dramatic like i'm not going for the interview at all um there could be uh, i'm not sleeping therefore i'm not going to be on, on, on top of my game for the interview uh, uh, I'm not eating I'm worrying about it all the time that could be the consequences of a false belief or anyway a belief about the event um, at B so A B C so the place to challenge it is at B like about my belief and that's where the thing comes in then is there evidence for this is this an absolute fact Um <laughs> Is this always true for me? Was it always true in the past? No. Um maybe we can draw on a good experience in the past or maybe um you know, if an interview went a bit wrong before, we could maybe be reinforcing the um the uh the fear. So we need to kind of say, well what's the worst? possible case scenario here what is the absolute worst case scenario and that would be I won't get the job um, that's it, ok could I live with that I could
5: Yeah, you know, and, and, I do, it, and I know I've tried my best
10: exactly, I gave it my best shot and I didn't get it, ok that's no reflection on me um, you know, if if the people on the panel decided that they preferred someone else, fine you know, and I'll start looking up the um, situations vacant again, and uh, and and uh, I I will see the experience as being uh, positive rather than than fearing all the time.
5: Part of a learning curve. Yeah, yeah,
10: yeah. So, like we talked last week, we'll go through the four of them: the the warrior, the critic, the perfectionist, and the victim. The warrior, like the suggestion might be that instead of what if, that we can kind of say, look, so what? I can handle it. Um, you know, and I've realized in life that um, we, we can we can just about handle anything. Um, you know, uh, one might have surmised when things would happen to other people, oh my God, I don't think I could take that at all. Yeah. And then if it comes to our own door, we can
8: yeah,
10: and and we sort of flounder along and and get through things as best we can, um now, the other thing would be like that feelings are not facts is another good thing to be saying for feelings
5: feelings are not facts,
10: yeah, okay. that um, I can be anxious um about the interview, in fact, it would be a bit strange if I wasn't, but I can still do it, um. You know, there was a thing I used to use a lot would be face, accept, float, let time pass. Face the fear, accept the feeling. Float would mean just kind of keep going, do it. And uh, let time pass would be, I suppose in a way nothing succeeds like success. I mean, you will survive this and uh, uh, and then you'll be better uh, the next time that, that there is... Um, uh, a problem of that nature. Um, in other words, like, this is scary, I am worried, but I can tolerate a little anxiety. I know that it will pass. Um, or I I have my own little system of getting through things. Um, I, I've a new kind of an acronym now that I've made up myself to be my contribution to psychology in Ireland <laughs> <laughs> and to be BOTTOM. B O T M Now if you don't mind and if the listeners don't collapse, I call it bullshit of the mind. Okay. You know that yeah. um you know we get we're told things by ourselves that can drive us round the bend and we need to be able to have a laugh at it and say here we go again. The warrior is having a field day. Um and, uh, and and to kind of to treat it like an old bully. Um, to try and, you know, give it a kick in the backside out the door, and and kind of say I I I'll 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 keep on keeping on, um you know. Now the that the, the critic, a, instead of us putting ourselves down, uh, we can say you know I'm okay, I'm okay, um I there was a book very well known book and um it had a kind of stages of going through a thing. Um, it was written by the same people as games people play, you know, just off the top of my head. No, it's not coming to me. But anyway, the the title of the book was like, I'm okay, you're okay. Yeah. And uh, like that in early life, we can be like, um, you're okay, I'm not okay. Then we can get to a stage in life where it's, I'm okay, you're not okay. And then eventually we come to I'm okay, you're okay. It's a kind of a live and let live. And we deserve the same bit of gentleness as our friends and other people. Because I'm sure you would agree, Patricia, that we can be awful hard on ourselves.
5: Yeah. Yeah. We are, and, and we are. We're, we're our worst critics.
10: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um you know uh so to be able to say i deserve to be okay i deserve to you know if i have a bit of good fortune or if things um go well about any given thing to say you know that's fair enough i i deserve a break i'm I, I that's good and um and and i believe in myself like i believe in myself to be able to cope with life because thankfully most of us we can we, we can cope we mightn't be having a great day we might be having a right bad old day but you know bedtime will come and we'll we'll be okay
5: and we'll get through the day and yeah. then we'll face another day tomorrow
10: yeah and and the thing about it is that um you know we're still standing um and uh What's that all saying? We have an Ireland I never died a winter yet, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I'll, I'll 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 keep on keeping on. Then you have the perfectionist, and um, instead of like um, demanding perfection, to be able to say it's okay to make mistakes. Um, the day I was talking with yourself, and I didn't have any glass of water, and I got a frog in the throat, so nothing would come out, and. Um, you know, fair enough. Like, I mean, all right. One thing I did learn was have the glass of water
5: handy. Yeah, I always have it ready. And yeah, besides, yeah,
10: yeah. But um, you know, um, I didn't kind of berate myself for the rest of the day saying, "Oh my God, you made a complete hams of that Um, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> you yeah, not the best, but it happens, and would happen anyone. And kind of um to be able to to let oneself off the hook a bit. Um, if that happened to someone else, I'd say, God, that was, a, that was a, a tough old break, you know, and I suppose we've all seen and held us uh, now and again. Um, and uh, in other words, like, the setbacks are part of the process of a learning experience.
5: You don't always have to be perfect. No, yeah.
10: no. We don't always have to be perfect at all.
5: Um, we can make mistakes and we're allowed to make mistakes and we're allowed to fail sometimes.
10: Absolutely. Absolutely. Was it Samuel Beckett said what was it fail again, fail better. Yeah. I yeah. think so. Yeah. Yeah.
5: And that's and then you learn from it. You do. And that's yeah, you move on. And then the last one is the victim.
10: No, the victim is a bad lad. The the victim is the fella like we don't want to be entertaining at all. Um the victim can be like, what's the point in trying because I won't succeed anyway? The victim is the kind of give up uh, thing. And like when I would be talking with people, we would talk about very much the warrior, the critic and the perfectionist. And we'd, we'd kind of talk about um, that we want to avoid, in a way, the victim. Because the victim is not having any hope. Um And we'll say a person is going through an illness. Um, To maybe be able to say something like, look, I don't have to be all better by tonight. Um, I can can continue to make progress one step at a time. Now, I suppose a bit of patience is needed too. I mean, as you know, and as our listeners would know, um, we'd have a son who was gravely ill. Um, But, you know, um, every day is a hopeful day. And um, uh, tests so far have, you know, given us a little bit of hope. Yeah. And, um, and 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 that's the way it is.
5: And where now, there's life, there's hope.
10: Exactly. And I yeah. mean, he's back at work and taking a very positive attitude. Wow. Well. Uh, yeah, I mean, to talk to him, you wouldn't think there was a thing in the world wrong with him. Mm. Um, and uh, so, you see, um, he's not a victim. Um, you'd hear people saying, wouldn't you? Um I've read it a few times in newspaper reports and that people who would be saying things like um, I read a quote recently by somebody who said I've got cancer but the cancer hasn't got, got me. me yeah yeah, yeah.
5: I, who was it said that I don't know but I, don't I remember yeah. yeah but but it but it is true and you can see uh, people who will put on a really positive outlook and then you will see others who the minute the word is mentioned they almost go home to die
10: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, um, and I, I mean, I, I suppose, I mean, the the main computer in our entire human selves is the uh, our brain, and that um, very possibly the positive thinking is actually a healing process as well, because we are sort of as it were sending messages of positivity. Um, to our bodies um, uh, I, I, I believe in that Like I'm, I, I'm not saying to be death like and to be saying this isn't happening at all, I'm not really talking at all about denial but I'm talking about hope that they, well, as they say where there's life there's hope so the old victim is um, we, we, we don't want him calling at our door at all you know,
5: yeah, and it's it's like you, you, you see in your notes the glass half full, yeah, rather than half empty,
10: yeah. And to try and live one's life a, a good bit with I over E intellect over emotion mm. because if it's E over I, if the emotions are running the show, um, in a jokey way, one could say we've lost the head, you know, um, another, uh kind of favourite old saying of mine would be to look on the thought with interest rather than fear um, do you know to kind of say here we go again more of that B-R-T-M and um, and just carry on um, you know and uh, like you said a while ago uh, after uh, we, we feelings are not facts yeah. and they're not and some people treat feelings as facts like if if, um, if they feel it won't work out Um, The anxiety heightens and all of that. And then we have to remind ourselves feelings are not facts and kind of move upwards from the emotional feelings area to the head and kind of say, look, maybe this will be okay. Okay. And anyway, I've, I've no control. You see, we haven't much control over our thinking and we have little or no control over our feelings but we have total control over our behavior. Like if I say a right leg lift, it'll lift. If I say a left hand on table, that will be left hand on table. So that like, if I'm saying, um, uh, if my feelings are, I can't do that. I can't go to that. And uh, if my thinking is as a consequence, I can't do that. But if I do it, I can do it. In other words, like, my legs will take me there, um, which I suppose is part of the face except float. Float would be kind of just do it. And, um, uh, you know, you, uh, we, we we often talk there about I'll do it when I feel like it. Yeah. But sure, we often said as well that the only time I'll feel like it is when I'm after doing it.
8: Yes.
5: You know? Yeah, so just 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 do it and talk yourself into into doing it if you have to. Okay, uh, we leave it there before we go. Positive text in. Where's this gone? Uh, I suffer with depression and I always find uh, Joe's thoughts on a Tuesday so refreshing. So on that positive note, we leave it. I uh, have a lovely week, Joe. We'll I chat again play. next Tuesday. Uh, Joe Heffner runs a counselling practice in Bowherbury. His number's zero two nine seven six six one seven. Stay on positivity for a moment because he 's baking is back to say thank you to all of your listeners. Who were texting in and calling in to tell us uh, so that Rob could find out what is the definition of a tablespoon? He's been making coffee queen cakes. He said they're yummy. He used duck eggs. He said he did. He was using a dessert spoon, but knew his gut instinct told him it was too little for the coffee and the vanilla essence. So thank you to all the all the many many calls and texts that we got in. Were great words of wisdom. And I was asking about Valentine's Day and who sends ten Valentine cards because there's a special offer on if you're buying 10 stamps with on post. Well, listen to this lovely text. Hi Patricia, please don't mention my name but I send about seven Valentine cards every year. I send them to my widowed aunts and cousins telling them that we love them and that they're not alone. Somebody is thinking of them. I also send one to my cousin in a nursing home and she gets a great kick out of it. I know she knows it's me sending it but it gives her a twinkle in her eye. So that's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul. Talk to you tomorrow at 10
0: our latest radio ratings, C103 is dishing out free money. Free money. We'll have your share of five grand with C103 Cash Tracks. Every morning
3: at 8.15, Simon will reveal the C103 superstar of the day.
0: Then, stay listening for two tracks back-to-back from that artist.
3: When they play, be caller 50 to win your share of 5,000 euro. C103
0: Cash Tracks.
3: With Kevin. The new name for Ford and Mallow. For new and used car sales, visit Kavanagh's.com.
0: Starts Monday on the home of Cork's greatest hits.
3: C-103.
1: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more.